ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. That's the sound of the Lord's long route feverish with anger as some of the MCC's members unleashed on the Australian cricket side. It was the second biggest barrage they took on the fifth day of the second test, narrowly beaten by Ben Stokes' incendiary 100, which lit up the so-called home of cricket. Despite that exhibition in hitting, at the conclusion of a test resembling a fever dream, it was Australia who held a 2-0 series lead. Few are talking about that right now as cricket fans grapple with the liquid idea of the spirit of cricket and how best to weaponise it to suit their argument. So what sparked something bordering on a diplomatic crisis? One wicketkeeper stumping another and so much more. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Brett Sprigg is a cricket commentator with ABC Grandstand. Spriggy, let's start with the incident that turned the prim and proper Lords into a venue resembling an underground boxing bout. England five down, chasing 371 to win. Ben Stokes, Johnny Bairstow at the crease. What happens? What happens is Johnny Bairstow lets the ball go or ducks under it. Last ball of the over. It goes through to Alex Carey. And Johnny Bairstow, without looking back, basically walks down the wicket to his captain, Alex Carey, the quick-thinking wicketkeeper, uh, rolls the ball at the stumps. The bails are off. It is, for all intents and purposes, a stumping. Uh, however, because it was the last ball of the over, over wasn't yet called. There's confusion about whether Johnny Bairstow thought that perhaps the ball was dead and, and not live and shouldn't have been out, or at least that the Australians oh, could have warned him. Bastos walked out of his crease, thinking it's the end of the over. Carey has flung the stumps down from long range. Alex Carey was quite alert to the fact that Bairstow had been out of his crease for a little while. Uh, there was no warning that took place. Nonetheless, it is out in the laws of the game, and uh, confusion and controversy reigned uh, on that fifth day. The match at a combustible moment combusts. How did the English team react in the moment and subsequently too? Yeah, there was that confusion initially from Johnny Best. I think because he put his toe back in the crease, that was his way of saying, okay, the over's done and I'll walk down the wicket and have my mid-pitch conference with, with Ben Stokes. The fact of the matter is the crowd were, were pretty alert to the fact that the Australians had appealed. Pat Cummins says on the stump mark, you can hear him say to both English batsmen that we appealed straight away. In other words, there are no regrets or, or, or a chance to sort of withdraw the appeal and we're pretty sure this is out and it will be out. Not a desperate attempt at trying to grab a dismissal where perhaps there is a, a blurred line. The Australians were convinced it would be out once the crowd realised this is what was happening. Um, and it wasn't long for the third umpire either to, to give it out. There was a, a loud chorus of boos and, of course, that tension uh, lasted throughout the rest of the match. He's out. That is going to go down really badly. Bairstow stalks off. He's had a word there with the Australians going past. They, they, they could have withdrawn the appeal. From an English player and coaching perspective, in the moment, even subsequently in press conferences, how has it been viewed from inside the English bubble? 
What I will say about this, and cricket sort of runs along a strange parallel of the spirit of cricket and, and the laws of the game. The MCC, I guess, for in many ways, uh, are the custodians of, of both, uh, particularly uh, the laws of the game. Um, there's no disputing that Johnny Bairstow is out. It's just a matter of whether the Australians did the right thing. Now, given the way this Australian team is viewed and the events of Cape Town still very much, you know, only recently in the, the rear view mirror for non-Australian fans, and that reception is always sort of given to Australian players when they go. There's um, cries of cheat and all the rest of it. There was a spotlight, I suppose, on the Australian behaviour and as to whether that was in the spirit of, of the game. The English team, Ben Stokes, said he would have withdrawn the appeal or would have thought about withdrawing the appeal. Um, it's hard to know exactly what would have happened when the shoe's on the other foot. And then I think I would have had to have a deep think around the whole spirit of the game and would I want to um, do something like that in the situation in the game and potentially that be the well for Australia it was a, it was a match winning moment and would I want to win a, a game in that ma- uh, manner and I think the answer for me is no yeah you, you, probably, you probably would have what, what, withdrawn the appeal you think yeah it does seem to me that with regards to the spirit of cricket, we love that sort of moral superiority, that both sides are guilty of this, keen to invoke the spirit of cricket when it suits us. Mm. The fact of the matter is, uh, you know, this went against England. Uh, it took the match uh, a little beyond their reach, although there was still a chance at, at that point. My immediate reaction after it was, in fact, given that the Ben Duckett dismissal the previous day, or non-dismissal with the Stark outfield catch, that maybe it was one all. That's on the ground. That's on the, That's on the ground. ground. I think it's got to come back. Not that it was England's fault that that Mitchell Stark catch was disallowed, but I thought, well, you give some, you get some, and uh, that's sort of how I saw it as a bit of an equaliser in the end. It felt visceral in the moment, the reaction from the crowd, from the players. We saw the reception in the MCC long room subsequently. Given this is a thing that happens in cricket, like Johnny Bairstow did this in this test match. Brendan McCullum, the coach of England, has executed similar plays in his days representing New Zealand. Why do you think this particular incident has lit a fire in this match in this series? Uh, because this England team are a little different to previous England teams. They're not pushovers. Part of the baseball approach, uh, of course, we love that term, don't we? It's not just aggressive batting and, and aggressive gameplay in terms of not going for draws, not being conservative. It's not being pushovers and playing uh, the game to the edge. Now, the Australians did that when they appealed on that Johnny Bairstow dismissal for that stumping. I think the English have realised that, well, the Australians can also be uh, as brash as they always have been and play to the edge of the game and that's why I think that they see it as a real uh, affront. I can't imagine we'll be having a beer anytime soon if that's what you're asking. I think from our point of view we've got three test matches to try and land some blows and and try and, uh, and try and win the Ashes, and that's where our focus will be. The fact that this happened at Lords is, I think, the most amusing thing. As I say, the spirit of cricket, the laws of cricket, are overseen by the Marlborough Cricket Club. The fact that it happened at this particular venue, which is so often criticised for not having enough atmosphere, because it is all about civility and etiquette and all of that sort of stuff, tradition, that the place came alive in a really you know negative way. I'll say because you don't like to see games of cricket descend into that with Australians you know accosted by fans in the long room. You don't expect to see it there. But the fact that it happened at Lords is a tremendous irony. Yeah, I was going to dig into that sense of irony. The MCC members, as you say, custodians of the spirit of cricket. Weird scenes to see them really getting stuck into the Australians as they made their way through. (laughs) 
it speaks to the fact that there is this this recent history there and, and this looking down on the Australians who were caught cheating in Cape Town nearly half a decade ago now. The fact that there were cries of disgrace and cheat. Uh, I was concerned when I saw Usman Kawaja stop and I thought, well, you know, obviously he took real exception to something that was said, so you wonder how bad that actually is. Uh, if anyone asks me where the best place is to play, I always say, Lord, the crowd is great, the, particularly the members are great. And it, some of the stuff that was coming out of the members' mouth was really disappointing, and um, I wasn't just going to stand by and cop it. It's pretty disrespectful, to be honest. Um, I just expect a lot better from the members. Uh, the Australians take that sort of stuff quite personally, I think, because they've moved on from that. But then again, I think that'll uh, always be a way that um, they are viewed by certain fans, particularly the ones who regard themselves as, uh, as traditionalists and those that uphold the, uh, the spirit of the game. Pat Cummins was questioned in the post-match press conference about the idea of needing to be kind of purer than pure, cleaner than clean, as they've tried to fix the team's reputation in recent years. And he sort of said that he was comfortable with the way that they have behaved. Yeah, we've all played a lot of cricket. Spirit of cricket's really important. I think the way we've gone about it over the last couple of years has been fantastic. Um, Absolutely fantastic. Um, And we should be really proud as a group, yeah. But do you think it's it feels like something that they kind of can't outrun now? But when you get these flashpoints, the cheat label's going to be there for them. I think it'll take a while. And that's uh, the nature of the fact they've got so many players uh, left over from um, the Cape Town controversy that you know those guys lived it and they're still in that team. And that will be a, a tag that some of those guys have for a long time, particularly Smith and Warner. I will say Alex Carey probably takes some of the heat now off those two gentlemen and those guys involved uh, in Cape Town. But the reality is, and Pat Cummins is a competitor as well. He speaks about playing to within the, the laws of the game. That's what the Australians did. They didn't do anything wrong. Um, so the reality is, you know, they're here to win and to win the Ashes in England, something they haven't done for 20 odd years is of utmost importance to them. And the reality is now at 2-0, they have England on the back foot hugely. No team has done this in uh, nearly 90 years. Bradman's team of 36-37 that came from 2 and win Ashes series. So that's what's at stake now for England or what's in front of them. The Australians know they've got England on the back foot despite their optimistic attitude England bordering on delusion when they talk about you know last series being void uh, we feel like we won the first test and all of that sort of stuff it's Australia 2-0 I want to get into Australia's position in this series in a moment but first I gotta get a word on Ben Stokes because if the Bearstow incident lit a fuse the explosion was Ben Stokes batting is there a cricketer who's evoked more fear in Australian cricket fans he straight up terrifies me when he's at the crease crazy over and the for Stokes, two sixes to go from 88 to 100. What an exhibition this is. Three sixes in the over. And the over isn't over and Stokes isn't finished, that's for sure. I think what made the effort at Lords for the Australians so remarkable is that the ghosts of Headingley in 2019 when Ben Stokes did drag England across the line. There would have been a lot of Australians thinking with 70 runs to get and still four wickets in hand, Ben Stokes still at the crease, that okay, they can really do this. They can get there. And the Australians had to overcome that. But enough about them. You're right. Ben Stokes is the one who epitomises that aggressive style of test cricket. He is every bit the modern cricketer. Not bowling quite as much as he used to due to his persistent knee complaint. But he's a leader as to whether you know things would have transpired differently if England had been in the field in that situation. Regardless, Ben Stokes is an inspirational cricketer and a remarkable talent. Weirdly lost somewhat was the magnitude of the victory that you touched on for Australia. Just how significant is the victory? Where does it leave the series? It feels like this test match went for two weeks, but you go right back to the first day. I mean, Johnny Bairstow carried a protester off the ground and it wasn't even the most remarkable Johnny Bairstow moment of the test match. 
and Johnny Bairstow is taking one of the protesters off, is carrying him off towards the grandstand. But you're right, go back to the toss. Australia sent in on a green deck. They lose Nathan Lyon, of course, their, their best off-spinner of all time. That'll be a, you know, another narrative that plays out throughout the rest of this series, how they replace him. And to overcome an aggressive Ben Stokes in the second dig, to see that match out and win by 43 runs, it was one of the better Australian victories. And at the home of cricket, Lords as well. So um, as much as you know, some might say that that Bairstow dismissal tarnishes the victory, I don't think Pat Cummins and uh, the team will see it that way. I think it is one of their best wins and 2-0 they will be very hard to beat from here we head to Headingley next if Lords um, a place of prim properness civility was that rancorous what kind of circus might we expect what kind of spice might we expect at Headingley there will be a very vocal crowd at Leeds. I mean, it's, it's, it is one of those heartland uh, places for cricket. And based on what happened four years ago, um, that'll be fresh in their mind that England can win from anywhere. But they have to win. It's as simple as that. They can't afford any draws from here. A draw in this series is as good as a loss for England and Australia retains the ashes. So looking forward to seeing uh, England fans uh, find their voice at Headingley uh, as to the makeup of their team. That's another important thing as well because Broad and Anderson at different stages will need a spell. Um, so whether Mark Wood comes into the side, Josh Tung has performed pretty well. And for the Australians, Travis Head was our frontline spinner for, for most of the match given Nathan Lyon's injury, but uh, I think Todd Murphy would come in and perform um, uh, dutifully uh, for the Australians in the absence of Nathan Lyon. Brett Sprig, thanks for your time. Thanks, Pat. Headlines. Nick Kyrgios will not contest Wimbledon after tearing a ligament in his wrist. It feels as though it would almost be bigger news if he did play at the All England Club this year, given his ongoing issues with injury in 2023. The Australian's managed one match in seven months as he struggled with a knee issue. Now his wrist is causing him grief too. As mentioned in the Friday fix, it's starting to feel like a lost year for the Australian. And judging by his press conference at Wimbledon over the weekend, he's keeping it all in perspective. No, I didn't miss the sport at all, to be fair. Um, I was almost dreading coming back. A little bit. If you thought Brad Fittler had been uh, expansive in his origin selections to this point this season, wait till you hear the New South Wales team for Game 3. Seven changes to the side that lost Game 2, including Debus for Knight centre Bradman Best and Rabideau forward King Kolomatangi. There's also been recalls for Bunnies 5'8", Cody Walker, Eels captain Clint Gutherson and prop Regan Campbell-Gillard, Manly forward Jake Trebojevic, and Newcastle's Jacob Saifidi, incumbent number 6, Strome Lua, is the bigger mission. From a Maroon perspective, there's also been some tweaks. AJ Brimson won the fullback jumper vacated by Reese Walsh's suspension, while Corey Horsburgh gains his origin to boo in the forward pack in place of the injured Thomas Flegler. We are two stages into the Tour de France, and Jai Hindley is sitting in ninth place in the overall standings, just 22 seconds behind overall leader Adam Yates and 16 seconds off the highly fancy today Pogaccia, who is sitting second. Fellow Australian Ben O'Connor fell 1 minute and 41 seconds off the lead after being involved in a nasty crash, but he remains in the hunt. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Mick Radojkovic. Thanks to Channel 9 for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.